All right. So, hey, Luke, if you'll just hang out here with us just for a minute, I'm going to do a quick introduction. So good morning to everyone. It's good to see everybody um, this morning. So we're going to be jumping into a passage this morning that is way, way, way too much for us to even read. So he threw it on the two different slides and you can't read it because there's a lot in here. So here's what I want to introduce before I actually have Luke read this passage. So just a quick way of introduction. Our topic, when we're looking at this table, which I want to walk you back through, right now we're on leg number one, which is about worship. Okay, so we've talked about you know, some different ways of you know, the revelation of God in our response to that. We've talked about how we want to have a relationship with him. And then today we're going to be jumping into this repurposed life. Okay, the stewardship of everything that God has given to us in repurposing our life. And the reason I wanted to say that before you read this passage, because when you look at this passage, this is a whole year's worth of a sermon series in Colossians 3. And that's not where we're going. Okay, so this is going to be a broad stroke. It's going to be an overview, but I want to like walk us through the different sections of Colossians 3 as it relates to worshiping as stewards of our repurposed life. That makes sense? Okay, so if you've got your worship guide, uh, you'll want to pull it out. If you've got your Bible, you'll want to pull it out. And of course, always have a pen or a pencil um, in your hand because you'll want to mark keywords. So Luke, when you are ready, this is a lengthy passage. Are you up for it? You gave me a good one here. Yeah, sorry, man. Okay, let's read Colossians 3 together. Church. All right, this is the word of the Lord. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the, slander, or put off the old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you may also, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And wherever you go, or whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus, uh, Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. All right. Give it up for Luke. <laughs> that is the longest passage of Scripture we have ever read, so thank you, Luke. So let's pray together. And then we're going to jump into this passage slowly. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning just as a broken people. And we need to be reminded over and over and over of what the gospel is and how it impacts us and how we should go about worshiping you. Lord, in so many ways, we're just ignorant people. And it's your word that reveals these truths to us. So, Father, I pray, as I always do, Lord, that the words that you have for us 
would be received in our hearts and our minds, but all of these other words that I spit out that just come out of my mouth that aren't from you, that they would quickly fall to the ground. Lord, you must increase and we must decrease. So use this passage to turn us into true worshipers who have repurposed our life in serving you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we've got some people that are here for the first time this morning, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the table. So I'm going to go a quick um, intro. And no, I had literally, Sam got a copy of it on Wednesday. I had six pages of notes for our sermon today. That's a long sermon, people. Okay, and then Friday, I was thrown a curveball. And the curveball had me say, oh, I'm just going to rip that up and we're going to start from scratch. I didn't rip it up, and I didn't start from scratch, but there is going to be a change. So I'm going to be working through the details quicker than I normally would because I really want you to hear from a person in our body that's going to help us better understand what I was trying to convey to you, but Jesus didn't really want me to do it. He wanted this person to do it. Okay, so there's going to be a little bit of shift with that, but I need you at least to understand the table. Okay, so if you look at our logo, you know, we, we or on our, the our worship guide, we have a table, and we've been walking through saying this is a discipleship table, this is a Jesus fellowship table. Um, I know you've already heard this, but the gospel is always on top. That's the thing that we're giving away. And then everything else is really, this is what Christianity is. Okay, so we've got table leg number one. That's where we're at right now, which is worship. Gospel-centered worship, what is it? What is it not? What's the antithesis of that? And then next week, we're going to start on um, gospel-centered community, and we're going to spend three weeks there, and then we're going to go into service, and then we're going to go into multiplication. And remember, this is not step one, step two, step three, step four. All of these together is a lot of what we're talking about today. It's a repurposed life. What does it look like when we follow Jesus? Well, we can't say that we follow Jesus if we don't worship him. So what we're saying is, well, what is worship? And how do we go about doing that? We'll jump back into that in a moment. We can't really be followers of Jesus unless we're living in gospel community because we need each other. We need to spur one another on. There's a sermon series coming there. Okay. Same thing with service. He's given us these gifts that he wants us to use to serve him. He washed the disciples' feet for a reason, and he told us to do likewise. And then remember, what's the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven? He says, go make disciples. Multiplication is key. It's paramount. It's not something that super Christians do. It's something he's called all of us to do to be witnesses for him. Now, that's a lot. That's a broad overview. I know I spent a lot more time of that on that earlier. But last week, I gave you this definition. Okay, definition, true Christian worship is when the people of God, through gospel transformation, respond, was our key word. They respond in adoration of, submission to, and proclamation of who God is and what he does and what he has done. And then lastly, and then this is the end of our introduction, in week number one, we talked about revelation and response. We looked at Psalm 96. It was just this amazing, amazing psalm. And what it did was it painted a picture of how grandiose God is, how big and how mighty and how strong and how awesome and powerful that he is. And we said we can't really worship unless he's been revealed to us. I won't rehash that. It's online. You can go listen to it. But he's revealed himself to us in Jesus and he's revealed himself to us in, in nature and everything that we see. And we see who he is and we respond to who he is and what he's done. And then last week, we spent a lot of time actually in Psalm 19, which interestingly enough, starts out by going back to Revelation. Because Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his faithfulness. And on my way to church this morning... When I saw the mountains and I saw the blueness of the sky and I saw crisp air. Can you see crisp air? But I saw it and I found my heart declaring the beginning of Psalm 19. So as I understood who God is, my response was but to worship him. But last week we talked about how when we respond and when we see it should drive us into the word of God. It should drive us into communication with him. So all of the spiritual disciplines, whether that be fasting and silence and solitude and journaling and reading the Bible and praying, they're not checklists for Christians to do. It's the relationship that we're going for. 
The reason that we read the word of God is because we want to know who Jesus is and how he thinks. Jesus said it best. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think in doing so you receive eternal life. He says, these are the scriptures. They speak of me. Everything that you see from Genesis all the way to Revelation has a road that leads to the gospel and it points to Jesus. Okay, so we dig into the Word of God because we desire a relationship with Him. We pray not because Christians are supposed to pray, so I guess I need to go say some words to God. No, it's because we want to pour out our hearts. We want to remind Him of how broken we are and how needy we are for Him. And the more time we spend in His Word and the more time we spend in prayer communicating with Him, the stronger our relationship will be. Okay, and then this week, that broad overview of Colossians 3 is looking at what does a repurposed life look like? How can we worship God with a repurposed life? So it's worship via gospel-centered stewardship. And that's where we're headed. Gospel-centered stewardship. Um, just taking care of something that belongs to someone else. Something that's been entrusted to you. What do you do with this thing that's been entrusted? So as we walk through this passage, we want to think, how do we worship Him as stewards of what He has given to us? Now, this particular passage doesn't really speak a whole lot about money. And that's usually the first thing you think of when you think of stewardship. We were in uh, Philippians 4 not too long ago, and I did a whole sermon talking about just our giving and our worship through giving and our stewardship and, and what have you. So I'm not going to spend any time talking about money this morning, but we're just going to follow this outline in Colossians 3 and think about what does it look like to worship through stewardship. Now, as we get started, I want you to notice these two bookends. Okay, so this is, I didn't know how to like make a bookend, but these are supposed to be bookends. So on the first side, you look at, uh, you know, verses one through three. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And he's saying, set your mind on things above. Um, and then he goes on in verse number three to say, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You've died. So book in number one is this reminder that when we became Christians, we denied ourselves, we took up our cross and we followed him, but we didn't bring anything to him other than ourselves. And we said, here am I. I am broken, a broken and contrite heart. The Lord will never despise. He received us where we were and we died. And our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that's bookend number one. And it takes you back to the gospel. Remember in Philippians 4, we hit it three times. And it's saying, you know, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. And in verse number four, it says, rejoice in the Lord. Before you can jump into giving thanks, and in all things, you know, by prayer and supplication with thanks, you, know, you have to understand who we are in the Lord and what He has done, which is the gospel. So bookend number one is, we died. We died when Christ died. We are not the same person. Galatians 2.20 says it this way, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So there's bookend number one. And then you go all the way to the end of this chapter, and he's saying, you're actually, verse number 24, you're actually now serving Christ. I died, I'm now a Jesus follower, and yes, you hear that a lot from this pulpit and from me. I don't use the word Christian as often, or even disciple as often, because I just think sometimes it gets cloudy and people have different connotations and meanings for those things. But when you say Jesus follower, people's ears perk up. Discipleship is following Jesus, it's worshiping Jesus, and it's obeying Jesus. And disciple making is as you worship, you know, follow, uh, worship, and obey Jesus, you bring someone along with you or people along with you, and you help each other to follow and to worship and obey. Okay, so this is a, a discipleship bookend, which we'll jump to in a little bit. But you've got these, the fact that you've died, and because you've died, you don't serve yourself anymore. You serve Him. Now, it's critical that we understand that, which will make a whole lot more sense. But look in the middle of it. You've got time, thoughts, your body is your words, God's love, word of God, relationships, and my very life. These are the things that we're to steward, or these are the things that we're to, um, to worship Him through stewardship. Everybody tracking with me? 
Okay, let's go ahead and let's jump back into the passage. And I'm actually going to try to go, I know I talk fast, but quicker than I normally do. So verses one through four, I'll read it again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God And look at this next phrase. It says, when Christ, who is your life, that encompasses everything that I'm trying to say. Jesus is now your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him um, in glory. We are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 is a great passage for you to go to looking at who we are now in Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 6, we seek first the kingdom of God and we seek his righteousness. He says, don't worry about these things that you need, food and clothing and shelter. Just seek first the kingdom. You know, follow me and I'm going to take care of these things that you need. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God and Christ is now your life. So when I look at that, I think, so Jesus is saying, saying as you're worshiping as a steward, worship him with your time, worship him with your thoughts. Are we seeking the things that are above? You know, are we constantly thinking about that truck that we want or that motorcycle that we want or that, you know, house that we want? Or are we grieved for people that are, are lost? You know, are we grieved over our own sin? Are we grieved over the brokenness that we see in our society and our desire to see the gospel just transform people's lives? You know, I often say, think about what you're thinking about late at night and early in the morning, because oftentimes with me and my own personal walk, it's given me like a, an accurate indication of where my heart is. You know, the busyness of the day is over, the relationships, you know, that I had early in the day are gone, and now I've got this quiet moment and I'm sitting there. What do I think about then? If I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to go fill this void with more internet, or I've got to find something on Netflix, or if I've got to, you know, whatever, that's telling, that's telling. Do we find in those moments that we are actually communicating with the Lord and reflecting to Him upon our day? Do we have a desire to go into His Word? Do we find ourselves grieved and praying for someone that's a friend that's lost? How are we worshiping Him, being stewards of our time and being stewards of our thoughts and seeking the things that are above? Let's continue in the passage. And then he goes into verses 5 through 11. Gosh, what a passage. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too walked, past tense, when you were living in them. And I hear that first part, and as a pastor, and as a man, and as a Christian man, the number of conversations that I have with individuals on a regular basis that have gotten sucked into this stronghold of sexual impurity. It's everywhere. It's on your phone. You can't even go look at the news without seeing some advertisement that could easily lure your eyes and your heart away. And it's a tactic of the enemy, sexual impurities. And there are individuals that because of that struggle will live their lives fighting that battle over and over and over. And as I talked about what Adam and Eve did when they sinned, they just went and they hid because the guilt was so great that they wanted to run from God. And I've said this many times, if we're running and if we're hiding because of guilt while you're in that moment, you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God. You're not telling people of his glories. You're not telling people how he's changed your heart and your life and how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed because you're not free. You're sucked into this this bondage and this stronghold, and the enemy wants to keep us there. And Jesus is saying to us, and Paul in this particular passage, he says, put it to death. Put it to death. You used to walk in these ways, But you've died. Christ now lives within you. You have the power to say no to these things. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given you everything that you need for this life. And that includes saying no to ungodliness. 
And we can get sucked into that. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to. You can actually say no to it. Okay? So how do we go about doing that? Well, that's not the purpose of this particular passage. You know, Galatians 5, 6, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But look at this particular passage. It's in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Paul again says, flee. His first word is flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but if a sexually immoral person sins against his body, and then he says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is within you, whom you have from God? He says, you are not your own, which is exactly what Colossians 3 is saying. You are not your own anymore. You belong to another. It says you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It's not your body. It's His. It's it's not my body. It's His. And one of the ways that we can worship Him, remember this, this topic is about worship. We worship Him by being good stewards of the body that He has given to us. And I know that this is not easy, but I also know that there can be victory here. And I've seen it. And I've seen Jesus set people free. I've seen Jesus set people free that are in this body. And it's an amazing thing, right? So we worship him by being good stewards of everything that he's given to us, and that includes our bodies. Continuing with the passage in verse number 8, our words. How do we worship him by being stewards of our words? But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off, there's this put off, the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And then he ends this passage saying, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. It doesn't matter what your earthly heritage is or your religious upbringing or the region that you came from or your family ways or your earthly identity. This passage is for all of us, and we have to do a good job of stewarding and worshiping Him with our very words. This would be an area that Jerry struggles in probably the most. Not the obscene talk, not that part, but just careless words that just flow out of my heart. You know, it's like, where in the world did that come from? You know, God, give us the restraint that we need to be able to worship you by being good stewards of our words. About a month ago, I told you all, I said, I don't like advertise like from the pulpit, like, hey, here's something you ought to go watch. But I did. Remember, I told you, you ought to go watch the American Gospel. Um, Really, really, really good. It actually impacted someone's life that you'll hear about a little bit later today. But here's another fun one for you to go watch. Right? This is not from Jesus. This is 100% from Jerry. Just Google Bob Newhart, stop it. That's all you got to do. Bob Newhart, stop it. It'll be your best seven minutes of your week. Because what you see here in this first part of this passage, he's saying, put this away, get rid of this, flee this, stop this. And Bob Newhart in this particular little comedic you know, thing, you know, he's just saying, so what's your issue? Just stop it. Whatever it is, just stop it. You know, and, and it sounds like that that's what Paul is telling us. It's like you used to walk in that way. You don't have to walk that way anymore. Just stop it. Continuing, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. The love that God has given to us. So now he's going from put off these things, take these things off, flee from them. And now he's telling us to clothe ourselves with something, to put something on. Okay, so let's read it. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, which in the NIV says putting up with one another, which I like. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against each other or against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And he says, and above all of these, put on love. that binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. Okay, and the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So we've gone from, you know, putting off these ways of the flesh, and now he's saying, 
as we worship Him and as we're stewards of this life that He has given to us, we want to say no to ungodliness, but we want to say yes to the love of God and how it's worked out on a daily basis in the way that we forgive anyone who's wronged us in any way. You know, and the way we truly love people with kindness and with generosity. First two commandments, Jesus says, this is what holds it all together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else that you see in the law goes back to those commandments. How do you love God, and how do you love God by loving people well? And God is telling us that that is how we are to worship Him, one of the ways um, that we are to worship Him. Colossians three sixteen and 17. Now we have the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, which takes us back to last week. Teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart, and whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. So here's the Word of God, and the difference that you see between what we talked about last week and this week is, last week we, he was saying, go to the Word of God to have this relationship with Jesus. But now there's a little bit of a shift in this passage because we receive the Word of God or a psalm or a hymn, but now we give it away. So he's already pointing us to these discipleship relationships that we want to have, which is why we endorse things like CBR, community Bible reading, an app where people can be reading scriptures at the same time. Right now we're going through Job and Revelation. You know, Job and Revelation. Well, that's kind of hard. So we share our thoughts with one another, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. So you're receiving the Word of God, but you're not just putting it in your heart and then going living your life. No, it just it gets in your heart and it gets in your mind, and then you give it away to other people. And that's what He wants for us. I got to get through these next two sections because I got to get my buddy up here, my friend, in a moment. So Colossians three eighteen through twenty two two, and now the shift goes to relationships. How do you steward and worship God in the relationships that He has given to you? So here He has wives. Submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke, provoke your children lest they come discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. And I would say there, probably think about um, employees to employers, maybe in our society not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And he tells us later that it's because Jesus that we are serving. So here's where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. So how are you taking off the old self, putting on the love of God? And what does it look like? How does, has the gospel transformed our lives? <clears throat> there goes the voice. We had a volleyball tournament yesterday and we yelled a lot. And we won. And, and how do we worship him by giving this love uh, back to Him through people that we're close to, close proximity to. It is so much easier to love this body of people that I don't walk with um, on a daily basis closely than it is my children you know, or my wife. Um, because that's where it's hard. That's where my flesh can come out and that's where my words can be just just hazardous and, and and you see things come out that's just so selfish so the repentance and the gospel application has to come out on a regular basis and Paul's saying it should be that way because one of the ways that you can worship God is by learning to love these people well submitting well you know being kind well and then he closes with this last part and he's like basically if I haven't covered everything Let's just look at whatever then. So whatever you do, and he said this also back in verse number 17, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your word. You are serving the Lord Christ. There's that other bookend. Do you see it? Front bookend, you died. The back bookend says that you are now serving Christ. And verse number 25 I have no idea what this one's about. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. When we go through Colossians, I'll figure that one out, but it has nothing to do with our sermon this morning, so I don't know. But the bookends are the gospel. And within the gospel, you've got a lot of different words that are here. So let me go back and read some of these to you, okay? Seek, set minds, 
put to death, put them all away, put off, put on, put on, put on love, let the peace of Christ rule, let the Word of God dwell. And the point is that there's action that's required on our part. God is sovereign over us and our lives. He is providential in so many ways, but we have a choice whether we abide in Him or not because He says, abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but you must abide in me. Well, I have to figure out what it means to abide and what action steps do I need to take to be able to abide. He says, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you know, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I put to death? How do I put them away? How do I put off? How do I put on? How do I let the peace of Christ rule in my hearts? These are the things that we're trying to figure out. And what I'm suggesting is that all of those are encased within the gospel of remembering what the gospel says, who he is, and what he has done. Because if we look at that list without the gospel, the bookend is, here's my Christian to-do list. My other bookend says, so that I can be a good Christian... So I need to seek, set minds, put to death, put off, put them away, and put on. Oh, so this is what Christianity looks like. This is religion. This is pretense. This is a road to a religious life that is full of hypocrisy because what we're trying to do is do the things that Christians are supposed to do without having the motivation, the power, and the strength for doing them within the gospel itself. It's going through the motions. Do you see that? So if you take the gospel out of, like, verses 1 through 3, and if you take the fact in verse number 24, you're serving Jesus... If you just ignored those, and if you just opened up your Bible and started reading verses 4 through, say, 22... Oh, so here's the things we're supposed to do as believers. This is the crux of the message. This is the thing that you need to hear if you've heard nothing else. This is what trips people up. Religion and every other religion will teach you that you're supposed to do these things in order to make yourself presentable to God. Only Christianity says but your righteousness is as filthy rags because you've all sinned and fallen short of this pinnacle that you cannot attain to, which is the glory of God. So keeping this list on your best day will never, ever, ever make you presentable to God. If that's the case, then Jesus did not need to come because people could save themselves. It's the gospel. Now, I'm working through this, and I'm struggling through this, and I'm like, how in the world, God, can I get this point across? And then I got a phone call. So, Nanette, you want to come up? Nanette's going to help make this point for me. You all know Nanette. Nanette Yarberry, let me get you a mic. So, Nanette and I had a phone conversation Thanks for making me redo my sermon, by the way, on, on Friday. And we haven't rehearsed this at all. I just said, hey, do you mind coming up on Sunday morning and telling them what you just told me? So I didn't think I was nervous until I got here. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm like shaking. So You're good. Just, You're good. Just, just, just share what's just, happened in your life yeah. over the past couple so, weeks. So um, I guess we have to go back more around March. Uh, I shared with Cameron um, back in March and really only Cameron at the time, um, that I was at a point in my life where it was make or break. Uh, I basically, oh, that claims my children, sorry. Um, I basically shared with him that I didn't know what I believed. Um, I did not believe, um, can you hear the shaking in my voice? I can hear it. Um, I didn't believe in Christ, um, which if... If you guys know me, I mean, I've known a lot of you for a very long time. I'm looking at Sam because I've known him for forever. Um, 
I think I would have been one of the last people you expected to say that. Um, and Jerry kind of said this the other day, had I been given a, a test, um, a Christian test, I would have passed 100%. You know, I knew all the right things to say. I knew the mask that needed to be worn within the church body. I knew when to raise my hands, when to cry, when to be the picture-perfect Christian woman, or so I thought. Um, and I just told Cameron, I said, these next six months, and I don't know why I arbitrarily said six months, um, these next six months are going to make or break me. I said, I'm either going to find Christ and my life is going to change or I give up. I'm done. Um, I will walk away from the church because I, I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, he's a deacon. You can't just, I know, I know. (laughs) Oops. Which, which in hindsight, having said that, I, I'm not even sure what that would have meant for me and Cameron. Um, had Cameron, had I, you know, walked away from the church and said I was done. What would that have meant for my marriage? What would that have meant for my children? Um, what would that have meant for my family, my extended family? Um, and Cameron encouraged me to share that with my mom and my sisters, which my parents are the cute people back here in the masks. Um, I, so I shared it with them and only them, and I was pretty vague with my mom and, and both of my sisters. Um, I guess for fear of judgment, uh, I have been in church my entire life. I'm 29, and I was born in a church in Elizabeth, well, not in the church. I was born within the church body in Elizabethan and have grown up in a heavy foundation of God. I mean, it was immersed in our lives my entire life. Um, but I didn't understand. I didn't know who God was. I didn't, um, I just didn't. Um, so August 23rd, um, I think it was the 23rd. I counted back and I'm assuming it was the 23rd. I well, you need to know this, because Jesus is going to ask you. I know. He's, <laughs> you know, I need to know the exact day. Um, we actually sat down, uh, and, um, watched the American gospel and uh, it had gotten so bad up until that point. Cameron had been commissioned, deaconized. Mm, <laughs> I don't think that's a real word. He had been deaconized within the church. And I actually remember looking at him and my exact words as I'm bawling my eyes out, or you're a freaking deacon. How does your <laughs> wife not believe? You can't say that, by the way. That's a sorry, fine word. Um, and, you know, Cameron being the godly man he is, is nothing but encouragement. And uh, so then fast forward to August 23rd, we're, we're sitting um, watching this, this documentary. And the first half of the documentary really talks about the gospel and um, just lays it all out, all out on a platter. And you're talking to someone, I have heard the gospel my entire life. Let's be real. I've been in the church. If you're in the church at some point, you're going to hear the gospel. It's going to happen. However, hearing the gospel and having a heart that accepts the gospel are two completely mm. different things. And we got through about 45 minutes of that documentary, and I lost it. Mm. I mean, snot, tears. I have never been so happy and so broken in my entire life. And God just ripped me to shreds in the best possible way that I can I can say I mean I don't normally cry when I'm happy so if I don't cry it, it I, yeah I might cry um but I just there in in that one moment my entire heart was just laid out in front of me and all of this ugly nasty sin that I have had my entire life just laid right there and um we just praise God for showing showing me um, who I was and and asked forgiveness from him. And, and I 100% believe that that was the first time I have ever truly accepted Christ. Um, you know, I remember saying, saying the words as a child, you know, God, please come into my heart and forgive my sins and da, 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 da. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I'm not saying that every child that says that does not understand. I understand that there are people who are saved at a very young age and it sticks. 
that's not what happened for me. I'm 29. (laughs) And to say it out loud is honestly comical, but in the best possible way. (laughs) So. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, so we, when we, you talked, I mean, because there was this question of, okay, so you were serving Jesus for several years, and then you wondered, you went to college or whatever, you know, and now you're coming back, you're rededicating your life. And that was kind of what I was digging for, and every question I would ask her, she would be like, no. And well, and what's really funny is that um, so the first people that Cameron and I actually shared it with were Sam and Rachel, and um, I didn't realize that was confusing (laughs) because to me, my entire life changed overnight. Like my entire mindset of Christ and how I was living and what what it needed to look like turned a 180. Well, I I didn't vocalize that Hmm. appropriately, apparently. So the question was, okay, are you rededicating? And I kind of took a step back and I was like, well, to rededicate, you had to be dedicated in the beginning. Hmm. I was never dedicated. So no, I mean, this was 100% just a entirely new, I'm not shaking anymore, an entirely new thing. Yeah, it's the gospel. You know, if you, if you think about like what we talked about a moment ago, the, the middle part without the bookends, that's what you've been doing. Oh, my entire life. And you've done it well, by the way. Oh, thank you. I was really good at, um, at that facade. I mean, I had, my, I had myself faking it. I mean, I, I believed myself um, to a point where I even shared with Sam yesterday, I had no desire to read a Bible because in my mind, the Old Testament were a bunch of stories to tell you how to be a good person. That's all it was. The reflection of the Old Testament to Christ, that didn't exist for me because I didn't know Christ. So you see all these old people doing old things. Can you define old? Uh, You know, 2,000 years, that's fine. (laughs) Well, before that. (laughs) But you see all these people doing things that don't relate to you and you don't, You don't understand the connection of a broken people who need saving. And when you see it in that aspect and you feel the Holy Spirit come over you, it changes everything. It changes everything. Yeah, I could, as we talked on the phone, just to hear the joy and the peace (laughs) that was coming out of her heart and out of her mind, it was just powerful. It was a powerful thing, but it also made me think about this. And this is a scary thought. You know, I was telling my wife this because she was like, really, Jerry? Somebody's giving a testimony? You're not even telling me who it is, and I've got children this morning. And I'm like, fine, it's Nanette. And she was like, what? (laughs) You know, it was Nanette. And so when I was thinking about the scary side of that, because her response is, she's not the only one. You know, there's probably other people too, because it's so easy to put on the pretense, you know, the, the things that I need to do to clean myself up, you know. And Jesus was pretty hard on those people. You know, he would come in. The Pharisees weren't out to become hypocrites. They were out to understand the law of God and to live the, the law and to be able to teach it to other people. But the law points us to the fact that, remember, we can't keep the law. I didn't know what coveting was unless the law said, thou shalt not covet. And now I covet all the time. You know, who shall rescue me from this body of sin and death? Thanks be to Christ through Jesus our Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But the point is, you know, that they don't set out to do that. They're just trying to be pleasing to God. And the church, I'm afraid of, is full of people that really cognitively understand the concept of the gospel, but they haven't seen themselves as broken. A broken and contrite heart the Lord will never despise. When you're like... I don't have anything to offer to you, God. Either the gospel is true, and that's my only hope, or it's not. And Nanette was in this place where she just cried out, God, I'm sorry. But Jesus says that when we don't do that, and we try to be religious and keep up all these rules, he says, you're really a whitewashed tomb. You look really good on the outside. And when you pressure washer, you hit it really good. But on the inside, it's nothing but death. And Annette was like, what would have happened to me if I would have died, you know, five years ago? 
And I'm like, but you did it, Matt. You're okay. And Jesus has gotten you to this point. Yeah, I think, I think, um, that, there it goes. Um, I think my exact words, Jerry, the other day were, had I died a month ago, hmm. I would have split the gates of hell wide open. I would have been standing at the gates of heaven and said, what did I do wrong? And I would have been preaching your funeral of what, what a <laughs> great saint in Jesus you were. <laughs> and in my, in my mind, you know, I was moral. Hmm. I'm a moral person. And, you know, sexual immorality is probably too much information. We were virgins when we got married. I'm a good person. Mm. Like, we, we're good people. I keep the commandments. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. Mm. But <laughs> being moral and religious and knowing God are two different things. Knowing that I have nothing. I can do nothing. Mm. And God still loves me. He still hung on a tree for my sins, and died. And that is just, it's everything. Yeah, we're rejoicing with you this morning. And by the way, um, oh gosh, what was the conversation I had? Oh, it was Julie Ermiger. We reminded me that morality in itself is not a bad thing. Everything that we saw here in the middle section, that's all morality in, in, a, in the best sense is that when we follow Jesus, we do right things, we do moral things, we say no to ungodliness and yes to godliness. But when we're looking for morality to save us and to make us worthy, that's completely different because our morality stinks. Okay, so listen, guys, this little church plant, you know, Jesus is doing some amazing things. Like we're baptizing six you know, people like next week. And we've got this eclectic group and we've got people that you know, have struggled with addictions and people that have been missionaries for 30-some years and we're all coming together and we're watching what Jesus is doing among us, right? But we would have never thought about it and Annette Yarberry as being one of those individuals. And we've got to rejoice with that. We've got to just worship and praise God for what He's doing. It's beautiful and it's amazing. And my inability to find a way to communicate what I was trying to say Jesus had other plans, and it wasn't saving you. So we love you, and we're excited. And the fact that you came and shared this morning, because you wouldn't have done that like a month ago. Listen, listen, I'm not an overtly. And you like, were like, I won't. She said, I won't to share. Yeah, um, yeah. Had you told me I would be up here six months ago, I would have, I would have died <laughs> right there. But it needs to be told. This, it's beautiful. Like. And there are other people that are the, I have no doubt, there are other people just within my realm of people I speak with daily that are in the exact same place I was six months ago or a month ago. Yeah, praise the Lord. So I've got one more passage I'm going to just share, and then you can go, in fact, you, you can go ahead and have a seat. It's all sweaty now. Yeah, thank you. Um, so second, um, I think it's Second Corinthians 13.5, if I remember correctly. But it says this, it says, examine yourself, examine yourself. So to, as a child, I mean, I was the kid, Nanette, that walked the aisle and said yes and was baptized, didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know, but all of my life I was told, well, don't let the enemy trip you up, you know, you remember that moment, you know, so just remember that and cling to that. And inwardly, I was like, but my life doesn't match what it should be. Shouldn't I be making sure that that was really salvation? And that was kind of like, no, 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 once saved, always saved. So you just need to hang on to that. Well, if I would have believed that and taken that to my grave, I would have died and gone to hell as well. And then I found that passage in 2 Corinthians 13. It's like, examine yourself, test yourself. You know, don't you realize that Jesus Christ lives within you? And then it says, comma, unless, of course, you fail the test. And Nanette examined herself six months ago and said to Cameron, I don't think I actually believe. And if it's true, it's going to have to change me because otherwise in six, six months, I'm, I'm out, I'm walking away. And she examined herself well and she came back lacking and the gospel met her. So now, Nanette, what I would say to you is your, his divine power, your life is hidden with Christ and God, and His divine power has given you everything that you need to seek and to set your minds and to put to death and put off and put them away and to put on. You couldn't do that before because it was in the flesh. And Jesus has given you 
what you need to be able to do that. And it's beautiful. And he's amazing. And he's saving people. And we should rejoice. Let me finish up. With the gospel, your life is hitting with Christ and you're now serving Christ. So a repurposed life of the gospel and worshiping through stewardship is when we simply recognize that our old self is gone. I think this may be in your worship guide for those of you that take notes every week. Um, we now have kingdom purpose, and with God's help, we choose to give our whole lives, every single part of it, to Him, and that is worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2, a great place for us to end our worship leg. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And he's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, when I see that, I almost see the, just the, um, the marriage that's taking place, and I'm yours. Everything that I have is, is now yours. Take me. And that's what we're doing as believers. We're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, and this is your spiritual act of worship. God is asking that we worship Him. We worship Him in response to the revelation of who He is and what He's done, we worship Him as we grow in our relationship with Him. And that's why we read and that's why we pray and that's why we practice the other spiritual disciplines. But then we look at all of these other areas of our life, our time and our thoughts and our bodies and our relationships and our money and all of these things. How can I worship God with and whatever you do and whatever you have, how can you worship with those things as well. That's what he's calling us to. We can't be Jesus followers if we're not worshiping him. They don't work. They don't go together. So as a body, as we end this worship section, you know, just be prayerful. You know, what are you, what are you seeing in your heart? Where are you coming out and you see that you're lacking? And maybe it's that you don't notice the mountains and the breath that He has given you. You know, maybe it's that you don't dig into His Word. You know, maybe it's that you don't communicate with Him. Maybe it's that you say, no, Christianity, these are the things that I do on Sundays and at community group, but all of these other areas in my life that you just mentioned, those are mine. Now, I just pray that God would just change us wherever we're at or maybe just remind us of the things that we need to be reminded of. Spend a few minutes in prayer. And then I'll open it up like I normally do, and we'll talk.